What an honor it is to be here, God. Uh, just past, Pastor Kevin and Robbie, what an amazing job they've done in this city. Um, man, you guys give it up for the, your pastors. When, when my wife and I, which she'll, she'll be in the next service, she's, she's on her way up, but when we, when we joined the vision of, of New Life Church and Pastor Rick and Michelle, uh, as, they, as they began to just cast a vision of changing a state one city at a time, it was just so infectious and an anointing of that ch- on the church. And when we said yes, we knew that God was pushing us in the right direction. So it's just an honor to be a part. So I do get the opportunity before we launch to, to go to other campuses. And man, you guys have an amazing campus. Like there's great things happening here. This is my picture of my family. I think that's my wife, my beautiful, lovely wife, Alicia, my daughter, Parker, and my son, Anderson. So they will be here in the next service, but we are planting a campus in Sherwood, Arkansas. And so, yes, North Little Rock, Sherwood. Uh, it's just, it's amazing to see God at work and, and all that He's doing. So this morning, it's going to be a little bit different kind of message. Um, next week, as we, if we, as a church, the state of Arkansas is life group launch over the entire state. As we dive into life group launch... I just want to challenge you just a little bit this morning. Is that okay if I challenge you and push you a little bit uh, of the calling that's on our life? So if you have your Bible, we'll turn with me to John chapter 1. I want to share with you a verse throughout the New Testament. As, as God is at work in our lives, I believe, and I believe the Scripture teaches that, that change hearts, change hearts, change cities. I, I believe when God changes a heart, that heart is so excited for what has happened to them. And they, when they share the gospel, when they share that what's happened to them, to their friends, like this, is, this, this begins to change an entire city. And so I want to give you just a few examples as we dive into Scripture. And John, like this is, when I read this, uh, this last week, it's just, it brought so much meaning in John 1.14. You guys know this Scripture, if you're familiar with the Scriptures. The Word became flesh, like Jesus put on flesh, the Word, the, the Bible became alive. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father full of grace and truth. Now this morning, I want to read it to you in a different translation. This is, this is not an actual inspired translation, if you would. It's a paraphrase, but in the message, notice what the message says. It says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, it's like, let that sink in. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Like This is the heartbeat of New Life Church. Taking Jesus from brick and mortar Sunday gatherings and taking Him into the neighborhood. And so it's, it, let that kind of like sink in if, if that's the context of where we're going. Jesus travels all through the New Testament. He goes from people group to people group to city to city. And when He leaves, the city is transformed. When He leaves the people group, like... Jesus could have, he went to city councils, he could have went to courts, he could have went to things, but he went to individuals, shared his life with them, and changed hearts, changed cities. And so this morning, I want to give you four examples of that, if you have your Bible. John, and continuing in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the Samaria, the Samaritan woman at the well. He comes to a city of Samaria, the woman is there. 
She was all by herself. She wanted to be left alone. And Jesus answered her in verse 10. says, Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given it to you. If you knew, check this out. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, if you only knew, He said, what you're missing, People don't understand. People don't know what they're missing. And Jesus stops. He's intentional. Your coworkers, your friends, your family, they don't know the grace, the hope, the peace, the salvation that comes from Jesus. And Jesus tells her, if you only knew, Jesus doesn't leave her alone. She, look, look at verse 4. Keep reading. She, she meets Jesus. She sees who He is. She realizes who she is. And she receives Jesus, and then it says she goes back to many to her city. She shares the gospel with her whole friends and family. And then in verse 4, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. The city was changed. Another one in Jericho. Jesus travels to Jericho. Neighbors who didn't know, but Jesus travels to Jericho. Neighbors that were curious. A tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a... And we, little man, was he? He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. It says, see, Jesus, verse 19, Jesus enters Jer- Jericho. And he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Jesus insisted that he come down. He said, I want to go to your house. I want to share a meal with you, and I want to have a conversation. And in sharing a meal and having a conversation, Zacchaeus sees Jesus. Zacchaeus sees who he is. And he says, Lord, I'll give back all the money that I have stolen. I'll give back, I'll give back 50-fold. And then it says that Zacchaeus goes back into the city and the city has changed. And I just think, as we start breaking down, there's a couple more we're fixing to get to. But Jesus, the woman at the well, right? Like a prostitute, if you will. Everyone knew that she was a prostitute. Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Like these people were hated. Why did, like, why is Jesus using these people? If you knew my story, you know what? I wouldn't even be sitting on this stage when Jesus is using me because Jesus calls the unworthy. Because the excitement level in that person's life when they see the forgiveness and grace and truth, they can't help but tell somebody. Next, Jesus comes to another town, and he sees a man filled with demons. As he's entering through town, and Jesus steps off a boat, a man full of demons runs to him, and then Jesus says, get out of him, right? We are a legion, we are the demons. And he puts him in some pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff and die. Well, the man, after the man's freed from, his de- from the demon possession, he runs to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I'm going to go with you on the boat. And no, Jesus says, Go back to your town. Go tell your friends and tell your family what's happened to you. And the city was changed. And then you have Peter. I started thinking about Peter. Peter's failure, Peter's denial. And so Peter was like the follower of all followers. And when Jesus was on a cross and he's being crucified, Peter's standing there. And he says, I'm going to fight for you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. We all know the story. 
And a teenage girl comes to Peter and says, aren't you with him? No. No, I'm not with him. Like, I'm a lot like Peter. There's moments in my days and there's moments in my weeks that you couldn't peel me from Jesus. But then there's other days that I'm denying Him three times. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not a follower of Jesus, but when God moves me to do something, I'm timid and I'm ashamed. When God moves me to pay for the lady's groceries in front of me, that her car declined, I don't do it, so I'm timid. I'm denying Jesus. Jesus is wanting me to speak on His behalf. He's wanting me to move, but I'm denying Him because I'm scared. Well, Jesus comes after Jesus had died and rose again. He comes back to the water because Peter, he's a lot like us. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples are like, what are we going to do now? Let's just go back fishing, I guess. It's all like we're done. That was a good run, three years. And so they all go back fishing. Well, Jesus dies, comes back to life. He's seen by many people, 500 people. He comes to the seashores. He sees his guys out there fishing again. And they're not catching any fish. And he yells. He starts a fire. He yells and says, hey, cast your nets on the other side again, right? Deja vu. What, what is that? So they cast their nets on the other side. They pull in another bundle of fish. And Peter's like, I can't believe it. It's Jesus. And so he gets out of the boat and he's running up there. And he's standing before Jesus. And he falls to his knees and there's a fire in between Jesus and Peter, just like there was at the day of crucifixion, that Peter was hiding behind the fire. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And then Peter, do you love me? In the Greek, the translation, there's this, Peter knows that Jesus knows that Peter loves Jesus. Like he, that's what that meaning is. He, I know that you know I love you. you. Go feed my sheep. Peter, I'm going to start this thing called a church with you. What is that? I just want you to go be my ambassador. And then Peter goes to Jerusalem and he preaches the gospel. And thousands of people come to know Christ. And I watched a video just this week of just the spread of the gospel. And you go to the day of Pentecost, and when, G when Peter's preaching, and all these thousands of people get saved, and it's just, you can go online and watch just the, this animated video of just the gospel spreading through the world. And it's changed lives, changed cities. And so where are we at in all this? We say, where am I going with this? I think, I believe... This is the challenge that we live passive lives. And we forget. Like it's easy just to go through life. I get up, I go to work, I, I, you know, I do my thing, I do my thing. But I wanna, this morning, I want to just challenge our way of thinking. How, how many of you guys love science? One, two, three, four. How many of you guys have heard of the second law of thermodynamics? This is a Yes, yeah. Entropy. So everybody say entropy. You didn't know you was getting a science lesson this morning, did you? Entropy, I think we have a slide. When something is left alone, there is a gradual decline in disorder. If I take my shoe off and leave it outside all muddy, I just leave it there and I don't touch it, it begins to deteriorate. The sun dries it out, it begins to, to, 
to fade, to wither, just to tear up, unless I act upon it, unless I go and clean it, unless I put conditioner on it. Anything in life left alone continues into disorder until it's acted upon. Your marriage. If you do nothing about your marriage, your marriage is in disorder until it's acted upon. Life, kids, family, houses, trees, everything is alive. Everything begins to live and die the moment it's like a tree. A tree comes up and it's dying. We come up and we start dying unless acted upon. There's a funny story of these. As I think about entropy, there's a, there's a couple. I don't know if I can say this in Cersei. There's a couple in their 80s. And, they're, and they're, they've been married for years. And the, and the, the husband's on the couch. And he's just, on, just flipping to the TV. And so I'm thinking about entropy, right? Not being acted upon. And so she comes in. She's putting her makeup on. And she's like, I feel good this morning. Again, they're 80s. So she gets on the couch and she snuggles up to her husband. And she starts kissing him on the neck. Eight, they're like 83. True story. And he looks at her. He looks back at the TV. And she's you know, just nibbling on his neck. And he turns the TV off, and he gets up, and he starts walking out of the room. She's like, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth so I can nibble too. <laughs> Something left alone and acted upon. I think our lives can represent entropy. It's so easy just to go through life, and we forget about the forgiveness of Jesus that's happened to us. We forget about the hope that we live in. We forget about the grace that we walk in. We forget about the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and speaks to us. We forget about that we have guardian angels. I'm going to show you something. If you have your Bible, turn to Daniel 10. Daniel 10. I have an iPad. It may take me a second. Daniel 10. In Daniel 10, starting in verse 10, some of you guys have never read this probably. It's incredible. Daniel sets, sends a prayer to God that he needs help. And look at Daniel 10. A, a hand touched me, and he sent me trembling out of my hands and my knees. He said, Daniel, you're highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. I have been sent to you. And when you said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is the angel talking to him. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. He, Daniel sent a prayer out to God. I, I need you, God. I need this to change in my life. When you sent that prayer out, response verse 13 but the prince of Persia, Satan, but the prince of Persia resisted me for 21 days. He fought. Then I had to call in Michael the archangel, one of the chief princes, and he came and helped me because I could not do it by myself with the prince of Persia. Now I've continued to explain to you that I'm here now to answer your prayer. Did you know, have you ever heard that we don't fight against flesh and blood? that we fight a spiritual battle. And then when you send a prayer to God, God is fighting on your behalf. So sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that the lion of the lamb of Judah is fighting our battles. 
This is how I fight my battles. And so this morning, as you begin just to think about your neighbors and how easy it is just to live passive lives, to get up, to go home, to go to work. I have neighbors who, when they get there, they get home, they shut their garage, they go in their house, I never see them again. And so I intentionally fight against that to say, hey, something's wrong here. I want to come speak to you. I want to just have a a life with you. I want to just know you. So how do we do it? How do we we get to that point where we remember what's happened to us and we can love our neighbors well? In Scripture, Romans 12, 2, this is how we do it. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. That's what it is. It's so easy just to conform. It's so easy just to forget. My wife makes fun of me all the time. We went to Collide Camp. And uh, I said, honey, before in Hot Springs, some of your students were there. I was like, honey, before we get to Collide Camp, I want to go get a new pair of shoes. Like, those are just teenagers. I'm 38. I'm almost 40. Like, I, need, I, I want to look like a, a, a youth guy again. She's like, no, you're stupid. That's dumb. So I went and bought a pair of Jordans for Collide Camp so I can wear it to Collide Camp. Because she's like, why do you do this? I was like, like the Apostle Paul, I like to be all things to all people. Like, I, I, I like to do that. I like to fit in. She's like, you're 40. It doesn't work. But it's so easy to be conformed to this world. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, every day, bring perspective back to reality. Why am I here? Why do I live in this neighborhood? Why do I have this job? And the Apostle Paul says, this is what I do, Ephesians 1. I keep asking. Everyone say, I keep asking. Apostle Paul says, I have to keep asking. I keep asking for God to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I keep asking on a daily basis, God, give me spirit. Give me your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Give me revelation of today. I keep asking that I may know you better. I keep asking that you will reveal yourself to me. I keep asking for the eyes of your heart, for my heart to be enlightened. Like Paul, we don't look through our heart. You need an anatomy lesson. Paul says, I keep asking that I do start seeing through my heart, not my face. I keep asking for the glorious inheritance of the hope, that you may know the hope to which you've been called. I keep asking God, reveal why I'm called. Every morning I keep asking of the glorious inheritance God revealed to me why I'm your child. And see, he's renewing his mind. I have men in my life on a daily basis, they call me and say, Scotty, vision leaks every six weeks. Are you sharing that with your team? Are you staying in front of your team with vision? Because it's so easy to conform and just go through life. And so as we keep asking, as we renew our mind, why do we do this? Because it keeps us attached, number one. It keeps us filled, number two, and it allows us to be aware of what all is going on around us. How many of you guys have ever heard that we're living in the end times? I was a kid, so I grew up in church. I mean, T, where's T? T in here? T, 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 little T. I walked in here this morning at 7, 7.30. T sitting there playing a Game Boy. And I went over and talked to him because that was me. I, like, I was drugged to church. Like, there's not a point in my life that I wasn't in church. When I got saved, the pastor said, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? I'm like, there's people that don't believe that? 
Like, is that an option? Because I, I didn't know, I, ever since I was a baby, I was, I've been in church. And so and I was talking to T this morning. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here every morning. We're setting up. You know, I'm helping his grandpa. You know, his grandpa leads work on the base back here. But every, all my life, I've been a part of a church. And so I go to, my, my grandpa tells me, he said, son, you know we're living in the end times. I was like seven. I was like, that sucks. Like, I'm not going to get married or anything. Like, I'm not going to have kids. He's like, well, I'm sorry. Paul, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus is coming back. And if you read in Scripture, the Apostle Paul continues says, we're living in the end times. They were, he, they were living in the end times and the Apostle Paul wrote this. Let me tell you this. We are living in the end times. And this is, what, this is, this is the character of God. This is the love of God. Look in, look in 2 Peter 3. Everybody's like, well, when does Jesus come back? When's, when does Jesus come back? If we're, if we're in the end times, and this is the God who sent His Son for us. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promises. Focus. As some may think, why is He not coming back? No, He's being patient for our sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent and come back. Why is it so important to get up early and renew our minds with Jesus? Why is it so important to, to, to live this way? Because we have friends, we have co-workers, we have family, we have a neighborhood of people who don't know Jesus. And, they've, and He's put us in a place to be a lighthouse everywhere we're at. I start thinking about bringing friends. New Life Church has an anointing on it that God just brings people to the building. But it doesn't bring everyone. Church is not a, just a Sunday. A church is a body of believers living on mission for Jesus. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We come to a brick and a mortar and we gather together on Sundays. And we've been taught through the institution of church, like, hey, just invite your friends to church. And what that is, it's a crutch because like, we feel like we're not adequate to lead our friends to Christ. I'm like, oh, I can't really do that. Just come to church with me. But Jesus said the calling on your life is bigger than your life. And you don't have to have all the answers. Just love God and love people. They will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so as I began to think about the neighborhoods, as I began to think about Life Group launch next week, and I began to think about God at work in our lives, God is asking us to do everything we can do to bring our friends and our family in front of Jesus. If you have your Bible, look at Mark chapter 2. There's four guys who brought their friends to Jesus, his friend, their friend to Jesus. Four guys. Jesus comes to another city at Capernaum, and all of a sudden he's coming in town. He's like the president now. Like there's a big crowd following him. And he comes into this house, and all of a sudden, Jesus, the, the, the room's just being filled with all these people. Well, the, well, the four friends have a, a friend who's hurt. He's crippled. And they said, we're going to get you in front of Jesus. So they carry him to the front door, and they, 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 they can't get in the front door. Jesus is way in the back. Like, we can't get, like, we can't get through there. It's packed shoulder to shoulder. 
Musty, smelly, stinky. Like it, We can't get through there. And so I want you to picture this with me. One of the friends says, hey, I got an idea. Like what? How can we get in there? We're going to go to the roof. We're going to tear a hole in this man's house and we're going to lower him down right to Jesus. And like, that's a great idea. Why didn't we think of that? They go up on the roof. If you can, if you can understand, concrete houses. Like they stacked houses upon houses upon houses. And they had a concrete tile roof. So they began jackhammering this guy's house. Like chisels, hammers, whatever they can get. All right, picture inside the room. Like they're looking up. Stuff's falling, right? Jesus is in the middle of, of, of ministry. Stuff's falling down. And all of a sudden, there's a hole. And picture those four guys. They stick their head down and they're looking. And Jesus looks up at them. And Jesus says, you get it. He looks at, he looks at the four guys. He said, y'all, you get it. Notice in Scripture what He says. When Jesus saw their faith, not the hurt guy's faith, when He saw the four guys, He said to the sick man, your sins are forgiven. Whatever it takes, you forget it. Whatever it takes. Wow. I haven't seen faith like this. You just tore his house apart to get him to me. Everybody saw. Verse 12. Can you imagine that room? Everybody saw. They were all surprised and filled with wonder. They thank God saying, verse 12, we've never seen anything like this before. Four guys wanted to bring their friend to Jesus. Those four guys changed the room. And that room changed the city. Capernaum. Cersei is an amazing city. There's a lot going on here. And you guys are continually, like, it's amazing to see what you're already doing. Just imagine what it would look like if we started loving our neighbors well. I started thinking about renewing our minds, living life on purpose, right? Living in our calling. The calling on our life is bigger than our life. We all fall short like Peter. But just like Peter, Jesus picks us up, He dusts us off, and He says, get back in the game. this really hit me about six months ago. And I just want to share with you the way that my mind thinks about renewing your mind. So I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for, for 14 years. And it's even hard for me to read Scripture sometimes and, and get something out of it. I'm a pastor. And so I just began to pray, Lord, help me. Help me. And Chris, Chris Hodges is a pastor in Alabama. He said, Scotty, get up, get up every morning at 5 o'clock. There's no distractions. It's quiet. And go drink coffee and have a Bible study. So I started getting up at 5 o'clock. But it was a still a struggle for the Holy Spirit to move as I began to open Scripture. And so this is what I've personally done. I started getting Christian books. 
Louis Giglow, Andy Stanley. Like I started just reading Christian challenging books first before the Bible. I'd read one or two chapters. And by the time I get to one or two chapters, like the Holy Spirit just beginning waking me up. It's like worship. It's preparing me for the Word. And then when I open the Word, my, it's like the Word comes alive because I'm prepared to receive it. And I've been doing this every morning. When I, when, when I renew my mind every morning, I come back into the house and in renewing my mind, it changes the way that I wake up my children. You guys have been there. Get up! We gotta get to school if you don't get down here, right? But I go upstairs now. I lay my hand on my son and I begin to pray for him. Jesus, protect him today. And during the prayer, my son begins to wake up. And I give him a kiss. I say, hey, get up. It's time to go to school. Get in the shower. I go to my daughter's room. I lay my hand on her and I just begin to pray for her. She begins to wake up. When I renew my mind every morning through Scripture and time with Jesus, it changes the way I respond. I wake up my wife. I respond to my wife. When I renew my mind every morning, it changes the way I, I say hi to my neighbor on the way out. When I renew my mind every morning, it, I turn off the radio on my truck. You see, it changes everything. It brings perspective to reality. Yes, Lord, I see it. I see her. I see him. I see my neighbor. Yes, I see my coworkers. And I step in. As, a, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, I step into conversations that I'm supposed to step in. And I shine light in dark places. If you're here this morning, I just want you to pull your cell phone out real fast. Or everyone has to pull their cell phone out. It's a law. It's, you can't leave unless you pull your cell phone out. Why don't you pull your cell phone out and go to Maps? If you have a phone. Hopefully you have a phone. Go to Maps. Type in your address to your house. When you type in your address on an iPhone, I'm not sure about Satan's other Android stuff, but on, on iPhones, there's a little circle at the top corner. And it has an I and a circle in it. Hit that and turn on satellite mode. And then zoom into your house where you can see your neighbors. I know this is like this is not the city and your neighbor may be far away. But picture your house glowing. A lighthouse. A place of hope. A place of forgiveness. A place of vision. A place of restoration. God has placed you in that place to be a beacon for your neighbors to see. And I just want to take a moment as we begin our invitation, I just want you to pray over your neighbors. 
God, use me to be the light I'm supposed to be in my little sphere of influence in my, street, in my area where I live. Everyone right now, just, God, use me to reach my neighbors. The woman at the well didn't know. Zacchaeus was intrigued. Like he heard, he was curious. As a pastor, I have friends in my life that know I'm a pastor. But they're not Christians. But they'll call me when something happens and say, will you, will you pray for my son? Like they're curious. Like they're intrigued. And I, th- and I think about how our relationship works. See, our friends that are intrigued and curious, when he asks me to pray for his family, he's living off my faith, not his own. A lot of your friends and your family are living off your faith. And Jesus is saying, hey, it can be their faith too. Will you stand with us as we begin to, to bow our heads? The Word became flesh and blood. And He moved into the neighborhood. When He moved into the neighborhood, we saw the glory with our own eyes. It was a one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son. He was genuine inside and out, and we have never been the same. We've never seen anything like this. Father, give us eyes to see as You see. Allow us to look through our hearts. Give us eyes of our hearts to see the people around us the way that You see them. It's not individuals, but it's souls. Father, I just pray to God that You would just reveal, You would challenge, You would fill us with wisdom, encourage us of our calling that You have placed on our life. That It's so easy for us just to conform and just slip into our routines, but God, allow us to renew our minds every morning of the calling You place on our life. God, I just pray for this city. I pray for Cersei. I pray for the work that you're doing at New Life Church. That you would just blow the city up with grace and salvation. God, use this church. Use these people. Challenge us today to remember to be ambassadors, to be your hands to your feet. In Jesus' name. All God's people said.